My name is Reverend Jasper Peters. I bring greetings from the people of Belong Church who had the uh, great pleasure of experiencing, and, and, and I apologize, your, your, the full title I will probably butcher, but I'll at least say the Reverend Broderick Greer who joined us a few weeks ago uh, to help lead worship. We are uh, a part of the United Methodist tradition, so ecclesial cousins perhaps at best, but uh, I'm grateful to be here with you and to, to share and reflect. Though the scripture that we have just experienced, uh, though no scripture is simple, some is, is more complex and full than others, and this gospel uh, selection is, is just that. It's full, it's rich, but it might be a, a bit difficult to choose. So I invite us to be in an attitude of prayer, asking God to open up the scriptures to us this evening. I'm in a, a particular phase of life that, that is new to me uh, in the past few years. I'm, I'm not only raising young children, but I'm also beginning to care for my parents who are getting a bit older. My father just turned 86, and he told me last week, uh, hey, I need you to, to take me to the doctor. I have a doctor's appointment. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> not today. He said, yes, I have a doctor's appointment. It's for my arthritis treatment. I missed it last month. I must go to the doctor today. This, by the way, was Wednesday morning the day that somehow a hurricane of snow <laughs> descended upon us. I've never seen such a thing before, a bombs, uh, but it was a hurricane, let's be honest, it was a hurricane of snow, and it was terrifying. And I had this experience of wanting deeply to not be in this particular situation, but I got my father, I took him uh, to his doctor appointment, I brought him back home, and I had a normally 25 minute on this day, hour and a half journey back to my home. And as I continued, the weather got worse and worse and worse, and I realized that I didn't want to be in this situation anymore. I couldn't see the road in front of me. The road that I drive every day of my life seemed unfamiliar. It seemed as though I would be unable to traverse that particular territory. Oh, please, thank you. We get by with a little help from our friends. Um, so thank you very Should I start over about the snow hurricane, or are we okay? Okay. So, in the midst of this moment, I find myself traveling in a road that I'm very familiar with, a road that I have come to know and trust is no longer familiar to me. The snow is obscuring my vision. I can barely see, I can see street signs more than I can see lanes or street lights or anything else. And I realize, I'm, if I wasn't sure that I hadn't turned, if I didn't have my GPS in fact, I would have sworn that I was on a different road than I was supposed to be on. I had a desire to pull over, but there was nowhere safe to pull over. I had a desire to turn around and go back, but there was no safe haven to return to. My only choice was to proceed, to move forward. In some ways, this experience of lack of clear vision, of confusion, is what the people of Jesus must have experienced in this moment because so often we experience the Jesus that we all know and love, the one who invites us, who loves us, who has kind words and inviting moments. And yet this Jesus feels strange, perhaps unfamiliar. He's, he's a little snarky. He's sharp. His words seem angry. Though to those who care, about Jesus, who were invested deeply in him. Even these Pharisees, we come to understand, they were worried about his life and they begged him to turn around, to go somewhere else for fear of his life. And he said, there is nowhere for me to turn. There's no other safe haven. There's no other destination. I must go forward 
to Jerusalem. I wondered, this is an experience in the, in the Gospels where, uh, where Jesus has his, sometimes the Gospel says he had his face set steadfast towards Jerusalem. He understood that his ministry and life could lay nowhere other than all the things that would befall him, even the cross. He understood that no matter how difficult it was and no matter how obscured and confusing it might be for those around him, those who loved him, he had to move forward. I'll admit again that this angry Jesus is confusing for me. He is a bit off-putting, quite honestly, who speaks so sharply and so assured of his own rightness and not willing to explain or invite us along for the journey. And I wondered why might Jesus be so angry? In one moment, we're, we, we see and hear images of love. We hear that, that he desires to be like a hen gathering her chicks, this, this very uh, feminine, mothering, uh, affirming energy. This is what Jesus truly desires, and yet it's coming out in a way that feels sharp and unfamiliar. Uh, in, in, in my culture, at least growing up, there's a phrase that may or may not be familiar to you. There's a thin line between love and hate. There's a thin line between love and hate because sometimes the passion and energy with which we love, if it is deferred, if it is deflected, if it is not received well, it can turn into sharpness and frustration. And this, I believe, is what we see in Jesus in this moment because he loves them so greatly and yet they don't see. They can't see that the road ahead is clearly treacherous, but it is precisely where God intends Jesus to go. There's a thin line between love and hate, and Jesus brings in the passion and fire of both of these things. Yes, as a mother hen gathering her chicks, but also as one who says defiantly, I can't, it, it's hard for me to imagine Jesus calling someone a fox. It sounds like a very 70s sitcom um, sentiment to offer, and yet he criticizes both the power of Herod, who he knows has no power over his purpose, over his mission, but also of those around him who would doubt that this is precisely where God would have him go. In this moment, God wants Jesus to stay on the path even though the road ahead is treacherous, even though the path ahead isn't clear. Jesus invite, God is inviting Jesus to continue on this path. And what I realize that comes out of this reading is that God loves us and, yes, wants us to be happy. But our comfort is not always God's chief concern. Our God loves mercy. Our God loves justice. And our comfort is not always aligned with God's mercy and God's justice. Allow me to offer an example. Privilege is very comfortable. Privilege is very comfortable, but it is not holy. Privilege is comfortable because it allows us to face fewer obstacles, fewer difficulties, but it is not very often aligned with the purpose of God in the world. Those with relative privilege experience fewer hardships, but often we make the mistake of thinking that the comfort of privilege is God's goal. Rather, God invites us to serve one another, to shed our privilege, to sacrifice it so we might lift one another up, to care for each other as Christ has cared for us as a mother hen gathering in her chicks. Even in, especially in moments when we must sacrifice for others. 
I'm grateful to hear about the element of jazz that is being infused in your Linton journey, largely because I think jazz works so well as we're working to understand the mind of Christ, and, th and especially in this moment that feels confusing, that feels somewhat sideways. One of the most remarkable things for me about jazz music is that it cares very little for predictability. Jazz doesn't always want you to be comfortable, and yet it invites us in, in the unexpected ways. And it's in the unexpected spaces that beauty emerges. This is Jesus in this moment, foregoing the things that we might expect because he understands there is beauty and triumph and love on the other side of this journey, even a journey we might see as treacherous, even one that is deeply uncomfortable. We are still invited into the beauty that emerges from the unexpected. A, I think it's fair to call her a theologian, an author and theologian that, I, uh, that, that I've come to deeply respect, Rachel Held Evans. I'm not sure if, you've, uh, if you're familiar with much of her work. Uh, Though she used to hang out with the Methodists, she uh, hangs out with the Episcopalians now, and, and I, don't, I don't take personal offense. You're, I have some questions. Allow me to retort, but, but she says in her book, Searching for Sunday, something that I believe is quite profound. She says, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Imagine if every church became a place where we told one another the truth. We might just create sanctuary. I'll say that first line again. Imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. My prayer for us now, and as we continue in Lent, is that you're safe because you are in the care of a loving God, but that you are deeply uncomfortable. I don't believe these are times that invite us to comfort. I don't believe the tragedy that we've seen in recent days, the tragedy that revisits us so very often, I don't believe that the, the brokenness that we see and experience in the world around us, I don't believe that the difficulties that our very neighbors experience, while many of us live in relative privilege, I do not believe that those things are intended to make us comfortable. I think we should be deeply uncomfortable perhaps even confused as to what God is up to and what Jesus is inviting us to do, but yet, even in the midst of discomfort, believing that God is inviting us to a better way, even though the path may not be clear, even though the journey will certainly be daunting. We see in Jesus' sharp words that they destroy our sense of comfort, but instead he tells us the truth that the path that lay ahead for him was difficult. It was bloody, and yet he persisted. Our call, even today, is to follow through confusion, through difficulty, believing that grace upon grace upon grace may lay ahead. Amen. Amen.